Hey everybody, welcome back to Studio HFL. I'm Larry Powell, your host for this podcast. I'm glad you're back for another interview. I'd like to let you know that this podcast is made possible by the generous support of my new co-sponsor, Messina Covers. David and Erica design and deliver both high-quality customer service and products, both standard and custom. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And Messina is spelled M-E-S-S-I-N-A-C-O-V-E-R-S. They offer their support through Patreon. Patreon is a funding platform where you can offer your financial support to this podcast, and your help will go towards hosting, production, and marketing fees. There are several tiers of support offered, and you can check out how you'd like to support this podcast at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl, and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can also offer support by providing comments and a rating on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. If you'd like to receive news regarding interviews, new guests, access to Studio HFL merchandise, please subscribe to the newsletter by going to www.powellmusic.net and click on the subscribe to newsletter link. And of course, Powell Music, P-O-W-E-L-L-M-U-S-I-C dot net. And now, on with the interview. My first question for you, what does the HFL stand for in Studio HFL? Ah, that's a good question. Um, um, Happy for listening. I don't know. Oh my gosh. All right. That that might be uh, one of the most positive uh, responses. (laughs) So you got to think like a trumpet player, right? It's higher, faster, louder, right? Oh, I Okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff Jeff Kernow was something uh, uh, handle fracking pole, and I don't know low register. Oh, he, it was of course, something uh, obscure. But uh, oh my gosh, man! I tell you what, I'm thrilled to finally get a chance to sit down and and chat with you. Oh, me too. I know we've been trying to do this, so I'm I'm yeah, I'm really glad we're able to work this out and, and figure it out. So. Um... I am happy to participate and hope that this uh, gets listened to and, and yeah. even more so that there's something positive that will that'll come out of it for everybody. Yeah. Well, and, you know, along that line, I mean, good heavens, there are so many angles uh, when it comes to talking to you. Of course, you're an unbelievably fantastic musician with a fantastic mm-hmm. history with a number of groups. And um, then there's this other thing. Uh, that yeah. kind of made you extra famous uh, here in the last. Yeah, ironically, few yeah. Years. Who, would, who would have thought? That's what. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so could, of, could we start there? Once my career, sure. Yeah, and and just uh, like been living under a rock, they don't know what's happening. So maybe fill us in with that. Okay. Um, anything in particular? I mean, what do you? As far as with oh, the well, cancer, the foundation. Yeah, um, yeah. You know what? And let's start with. Uh, uh, cancer blows, which is uh, the Ryan okay. Anthony Foundation. Is that correct? Yeah, the actual yes, that is the official name of our uh, nonprofit charity, our five hundred C three status is the Ryan Anthony Foundation, and our <clears throat> primary uh, vehicle for raising awareness and funds is, is through our, our Cancer Blows concerts, and mm-hmm. that's really the, the really the main thing. Right, and. Um, it started uh, when I was first diagnosed, which is a little over six years ago. And at the time when I was diagnosed, uh, we met with several different specialists. And of course, the subset that I had is a rarity and <clears throat> told it wouldn't re- respond as well. And so we had um, we had doctors from around the country who we visited and talked to that gave us everywhere from one to two years to three to five. And then we had uh, uh, one specialist that said they thought we can go seven to 10. And um, so we just didn't know what, obviously what, what to expect at the time. Mm-hmm. And we knew that we immediately had to do a stem cell transplant. And of course that runs its own risks. And I was really blown away by the amount of people in the friends and especially the trumpet world who reached out to me uh, uh, when they had heard and, and just sending me um, 
encouragement and you know <clears throat> their best wishes and prayers and and all of that. And it was actually the week right before my stem cell transplant. Um, I got a call from Doc Sevenson and, and and we were talking. And of course, uh, like everyone else, he always says, you know, I wish there was something I could do. And mm-hmm. so I just at that point, not knowing what my future held um told him i said well doc if you can just promise me that we get to share the stage one more time <laughs> that that when i get through this just just promise me and somehow um, I, I can share the stage with you mm-hmm. and of course he said yes yeah, so you know consider it done so that sort of became my battle cry mm-hmm. to you know everyone who had called me at that uh from then on out it, is there anything I can do? I wish there was something I can do. And I said, well, just promise me we get to share the stage again one more time. Mm-hmm. And I just figured they were saying it's sort of that dangling carrot, you know, to help me. In, and that's how I used it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to get through this. And, you know, but I didn't really think too much more than that. Well, it was after the transplant and, and sort of in a chemo-induced <laughs> um, state of mind, I was talking to my wife and I said, man, but wouldn't that actually be amazing? You know, it's impossible. There's no way you can get that many trumpet players together. But we should do a recording. Maybe I can get five or six at a time. And <laughs> then we thought, well, man, if we're going to do that, that that's got to be documented by video. And, mm-hmm. and so we're just lying there. I said, yeah, you know, but what a dream. Wouldn't that be amazing? And then my wife just said, yeah, and we'll call the uh, concert Cancer Blows. And we laughed. And it was a couple days after that, I thought, well, you know what? That's brilliant. Why it not? Is. And so before I could even reach out to everybody, um, they were contacting me, you know, uh, a couple months after the transplant. Congratulations. And so when are we getting together? When are we going <laughs> to share the stage? And I said, well, I kind of had this crazy thought. What if we all did it together? And it was actually the other artists that pushed it and created it. Wow. I mean, it was the, our colleagues, our famed uh, trumpet players in our world <laughs> that we sort of put in another category and all that, who actually were the most common human beings you can think mm-hmm, of that mm-hmm. said, well, when are we doing this? And why not? We told you we would. And so that first concert in 2015 in March literally was uh, that entire roster were those who reached out and asked if they could do it. So there wasn't one thing, one person there, me calling and saying, Mm -hmm. would you be interested in doing this concert? It was all of them. I think we had 25 artists total. Um, we did, we ended up splitting into two concerts Mm -hmm. Uh, Monday night. We did what was called meet the principals. And uh, I think we had 10 or 12 principal players in that and and included Mm -hmm. uh, uh, principals from Philly and uh, New York and Boston and Cleveland and Mm -hmm. uh, you you name it, just just, just go down the line. And um, we did a private, intimate, actually a live recording session with the audience um, because we had horrible weather. So half of them missed the rehearsal. So we did an impromptu, we'll just do a recording mm-hmm. session and let the audience, and it ended up turning out to be a, a great, uh, fun evening. And then was on the this Wednesday in night, Dallas? This was in Dallas, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on Wednesday night, we did the the big gala-type concert and all the lights and streaming and, mm-hmm. and orchestra and big band and all that. But um, what I don't think people realize is that was all, the, I mean, there was more that wanted to do it that couldn't because mm-hmm. of the date, because they sure. were traveling. But it was all done by our favorite trumpet players. You know, for me, those who I look up to who wanted to be there mm-hmm. on their own. And they not only offered, but pushed it. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it was really a special event. And we thought it would be a one-time only. So we created the nonprofit foundation so we could actually take the funds and, and turn 100% of all our funds and, and put them straight into cancer research mm-hmm. and did our own research of you know where are the places that are doing 
the most mm -hmm. that so that the dollars given to us that's our responsibility at that mm -hmm. point mm -hmm. is to make sure they're stretched and put in the right the right place um so uh we did that and afterwards every one of those um artists who played said well when are we doing it again <laughs> and i was like oh no and then more importantly was the response from uh, audience, those who watched it on streaming, those who later bought the CD, DVD, who all asked, when are you doing it again? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> it's become a full-time year-round foundation. And again, not by uh, my wife and I's choice. We basically run everything mm -hmm. um, and keep it, uh, the rest of basically all volunteers so mm -hmm. that we can keep low overhead and therefore all proceeds continue going to where they're supposed to go. Mm -hmm. And um, we did it purely because of the, the response from patients and caregivers mm -hmm. and then being amazed by how many non-musicians were finding these things on, on YouTube and mm -hmm. people sharing with them. And so we thought, well, now we have an obligation. And so it's become... Um, yeah, like I said, a, a year-round full-time mm -hmm. um, charity. We try to do um, one major like Gala-type concert every other year, one big concert every year. But mm -hmm. now it's there's been a lot of smaller concerts. We're getting things from other um, bands, orchestras, mm -hmm. local um brass groups who have asked can we do a concert and fundraise for you well, i'm sure wow. <laughs> um we've got breweries now that are doing musical events for a weekend making their own cancer blows brew and inviting everybody in that weekend or that week all funds go towards uh, our foundation we just had a gentleman bike 600 miles did a concert the beginning and the end is a trumpet player um uh one at a university and the other with uh, uh, a summer uh, community band mm -hmm. and he did it to fundraise money for us i mean so it's been incredibly touching mm -hmm. and amazing to actually see the humanity uh, of uh, so many people in our world and business that yeah. want to do something and um i think that is what's making the biggest difference yeah. with the the patients now we're yes we're raising money and we're putting that into um research i just started a brand new drug it was just fda approved uh two three weeks ago i and one of our key beneficiaries is one of the ones that really helped support and push it through and in my mind i can't help thinking that one of the drops you know in that bucket to make it work is, is what we're doing I, you know i have to think that so that there's good coming out of this but mm -hmm. the the biggest thing is almost daily hearing the stories of those who are being touched and how it's changing their fight and and their outlook and it, you can't put a dollar sign on that so luckily we've got some uh good donors and yeah. um and then we do our due diligence so that you know the reason of sending money to us is not only can we take a very small percentage out of that so we can continue doing concerts, therefore mm -hmm. expanding um, the audience of awareness and therefore expanding potential other donors so that our beneficiaries are actually getting more mm -hmm. people um, by our work, helping them out than if the money went necessarily directly to that, you know, to them. So, you know, um, nobody ever wishes anybody to get sick. And, and yeah, right. But to look at what has happened, uh, I, I don't even want to say because of this, but what has happened in spite of this, maybe right. be a better way to say it, is remarkable. And, you know, I've been to the last three ITG conferences and mm -hmm. to see the community really kind of rally and grow. I mean, we've all had the common bond being trumpet players. But now there's there's an extra level. There's a there's a, a depth that we get to, and maybe we've we've found a cause. It's like, hey, you know what? This means something to me. There's a colleague over here. Let's support mm -hmm. him. And I think one of the other remarkable things too is you've not been quiet 
about this. And I don't know how difficult that is to have shared everything you do on Facebook, but that is huge when people can watch your your journey and it's not been all pleasant, <laughs> right? I mean, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that because it is, it is tough. And there, there's, um, there, you know, there, there are times when um, I don't necessarily want to do it and I'm trying to be more, more transparent, you know, because I, I found myself for a while always trying to do the, you know, rah, rah, here we go. I'm smiling and, and not putting the, mm-hmm. the hard times. And, and I realized, you know, people need to know those who are going through the battle with me that the, the hard times are part of it and it's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And actually what makes us stronger is are those hard times, you know, and mm-hmm. getting through it. And, and I want them to realize that they aren't alone. And, but at the same time, you know, try to be there to help pull them through when this whole thing had happened and, and, you know, and I was talking to about starting cancer blows and this had to be a, a, a a family thing too, because I mean, it, um, there's no secrets now. I mean, they, everybody knows and my children know that, you know, everyone knows what's going on with their father. But I remember saying, I mean, literally I've been given a stage to make some noise Mm -hmm. and, and the the truest (laughs) of of, of, uh, of, of ways. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at it as that was my responsibility. And I I never even thought twice about it. Um, up until this past year, um, I mean, the first five years, I think I only missed one concert due to, uh, being sick. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, I, I showed up, uh, no matter what. And, mm-hmm. um, and to me, one, cause that's my job, um, to, you know, I didn't want to let cancer take that away from me. As soon as I start doing that, then the cancer starts winning. Mm-hmm. I, I and I don't want the cancer to define, mm-hmm who I am or how I, how I live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of the success, uh, that, that I've sort of had in my battle and mm-hmm. it's been good for me. I need, I needed to have that. And, and it became playing trumpet and with DSO, my outlet and, and sort of di- distraction, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. the rehearsals are hard. Concerts are the easiest because you get up there and you get the adrenaline and right. you don't even realize until after the concert then you collapse, <laughs> you know, that, oh man, sure. I hurt. Um, the rehearsals when you're sitting there, you know, and, and it's slower if you have a double and I'm like, I just can't, you know, I got to, I couldn't do, I couldn't do days where we had doubles. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, the, that was the concerts became fun and, and my colleagues realized, you know, that my plane uh, ha- had gone down and every time they would change my meds, I mean, it would just take a while to have to re adjust mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, doctors especially don't think about all the, the fine tuned muscles and stuff on our face right. and how it does change everything. Mm-hmm. And so uh, getting neuropathy in, in my face before I would get it in my feet and fingers, um, you know, because that's most people feel it there because that's where they have the fine motor skills and mm-hmm. nerves. And, mm-hmm. you know, well, what is that for us? That's that's our face. That's right. our chops. Right. You know, we're more aware of what happens there than, than we are with anything in our feet or mm-hmm. our fingers. You know, um, I remember the days of thinking, oh, man, I have to take Sudafed because I have a sinus you know, issue. Oh, yeah. what a drag. <laughs> and, you know what I would do now right. to have just, you know. A sinus yeah. infection and have to play. Mm. Uh, I would <laughs> give anything. Um, so, it, yeah, I just took it as this is my responsibility. Yeah. And uh, I haven't looked back. I wouldn't do anything any different. And mm-hmm. I try to be transparent. There was uh, one of the biggest stories we were doing Mahler 9. This was several years ago. And they had some changes to my meds and I was really struggling and I was getting neuropathy and some stuff in my face. And, mm-hmm. um, and it was one of the first times too, then when I was really starting to second guess my own plane, which of course, and as you know, you start going down that, mm-hmm. that hole and that, that direction. And, and, um, um, and it was just weeks were bad. Maestro von Spaden was in town. Um, and it got so bad that on, on Wednesday, he stopped the entire orchestra and looked at me and said, you know, what are we going to do? 
what are we going to do about the concerts? Mm. What are we going to do? And, and I just had to respond, you know, maestro, if I knew I would do it, you know, I'm, I'm, trust me, I'm trying to figure it out. Right. And um, <clears throat> we met in his office and he was extremely supportive, mm-hmm. you know, and he said, you have to, the minute, if I try to move you from that chair, then the, the cancer wins. You have to do it. And I said, I know I do. You know, I got, I have to figure it out. And I appreciated his uh, willingness. But I, I went home that week and, and was talking to my wife saying that was the first week where I thought I can't do my job. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm letting my colleagues down. There's a certain level of excellence that they expect. Sure. I'm letting the audience down, the management down. You know, they hired me to play at a certain level and do certain things, and I, I, I could not do them. And I think it was that Thursday night concert. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I had several solos where, I mean, if something did come out, it certainly wasn't wasn't the right mm-hmm. note. I mean, it was just it was a very bad, humbling, not even humbling, embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, time for me and i remember going home saying that that's it you know if i can't if i can't do my job we have to I, we got to figure out something mm-hmm. ironically that weekend i got an email from um the lady who lived up in oklahoma whose father had just been diagnosed with multiple myeloma and he was older and did not want to do the stem cell transplant and go through all the chemo and do all of that he just wanted to live out Mm-hmm. without his time and of course the family wanted to try you know mm-hmm. um so he was a big music lover and they said you know let's just get the fan let's just go to dallas they're doing Mahler. you love Mahler. Mm-hmm. we're gonna buy tickets to the symphony we're just gonna go mm-hmm. just let's just get away let's not talk about cancer let's just get away halfway through the concert versus playing she leaned over to her father and said do you see that principal trumpet player and he said he said he has multiple myeloma and he had the transplant look at him. He, he's playing. And it was that same night where I said, I need to quit because I have, not, I have nothing to offer. Oh I gosh. can't <laughs> do my job. I can't do it. And she emailed me and she said, I want to thank you. Because on a drive home in tears, he said, on Monday, I want to call a doctor and schedule a transplant. <laughs> I want to fight. So you realize you don't know. And these aren't trumpet players or musicians. Mm-hmm. This was just, and here's the night I was going to say, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I ended up being maybe one of the most important nights at that point, at least to that family. And while I'm missing everything, thinking, man, I suck. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just do not belong here. It was the most perfect, beautiful concert to that individual that changed wow. his life. So, you know, those are the learning experiences that I'm still going through and that has happened on multiple occasions Mm -hmm. where I just think, what am I, am I really doing any good here? Or am I just hurting myself and just spinning my wheels and adding more to my agenda? Mm -hmm. Um, And then you, you, you get these messages and, and, I mean, and I can go on and on and on about mm-hmm. um, stories similar to that, that people have reached out and, and especially Song of Hope. Um, oh, my gosh. That, that um, Wildfire right there. Yeah. You know, and the people have contacted me. They're not musicians, but they started listening to that every night before they went to bed and wanted to let me know that their numbers had started to change wow. and doing better. And the only thing they could think of is how it that was the last thing every night that mm-hmm. they would listen to and have hope. And then the next morning, you know, so it just, there's that power and we're in the middle of doing this feature film documentary about the power of music and it's healing. And they're, they're mm-hmm. using me as a vehicle to tell a story and who would have, I mean, no one would have thought about any of this. And, and I understand some of the awards and accolades are not because of my playing and I'm proud of my, resume between mm-hmm. Canadian brass and orchestras and mm-hmm. solo competitions and the, the list can go on, which I don't think many can check off all those categories. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm proud of that, mm-hmm. but um, I'm also not, you know, I'm aware that what's catapulted things is the fact that what I've done now is also try to do this thing to unite mm-hmm. um, and change 
change the landscape a little bit. And I, and I hope, I love that you said that people have told me that ITG sort of changed and some of these things a little bit, that it's, it's sort of bonding people together and, mm -hmm. and both professionals and students that there's, you know, there, there is more to it of what we can do. And, and God knows you turn on the news, we, we need it. Yes. And, um, yes. you know, I'm just doing a small part here trying to help cancer, but if it, if it can make some good and, um, in return, I think it makes the players feel really good too. Mm -hmm. They feel like now they're able to do something. So mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing. And, and it's, you know, it's that, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, you know, I mean, it, I get inspired by hearing about all these other things and that's what people say is inspiring mm -hmm. them to do it. So, mm -hmm. um, but it's been tough because we ran out of, we ran out of medications a little over a year ago and, mm -hmm. and the doctor and I just looked at each other and then in this January, the prognosis had changed. I was given six to 12 months, one to two years. Um, and then that was shortened in April. But this um, new drug, like I said, just came out last week. So we we made it to that point. And um, so now it changes my own personal landscape. And yeah. if it works and that gets me to the next thing and there's another drug being in there and something, I would say I've probably been on seven or eight drugs that were, didn't even exist when I was diagnosed almost seven years ago. I remember that Facebook post, I, I don't know, maybe a month or more where you had, uh, you were sharing the news, you were in the hospital at that time, but you were sharing mm -hmm. the news that the doctor just told you that, um, there's a new drug where, yeah. And oh my gosh, is, is that the drug you're referring to? Is that what they were able to yeah. work? Yes. That was coming out there. There are two sort of, that were sort of in a, a race to be FDA approved and originally one got denied. And so they had to redo it, but have it combined with another mm -hmm. agent um and then it got approved um but yes that that's that that's the one yeah. and that's fantastic. you know you, you, you kind of know from the beginning that there's you know there's tons of things that are out there in clinicals and tests and then they drop off they just mm -hmm. don't ever make it all the way through uh and then there's uh and then when they get to that final thing you get so excited and but mm -hmm. you know you just don't know how long it's going to take to actually get mm -hmm. all the paperwork, get all the clean, you know, for it to actually happen. Yeah. Um, and I was approved early. It was called patient compassion care, basically stating that if I don't get this, you know, I might not make it mm -hmm. to the FDA date. Um, but unfortunately, while I was approved, my numbers weren't good enough to fall in their criteria. So mm -hmm. I, I still couldn't do anything until they um so we were just literally holding our breath mm. um and so i had three trans stem cell transplants in 10 months mm -hmm. um and i think eight different hospital stays of chemotherapy or or infections from all of that mm -hmm. in the last 13 months just just to get to this point mm -hmm. and not an easy road and unfortunately i I got to know two other patients who who didn't make the distance, who mm. couldn't make it to this day, and 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 you know I uh, can't help thinking about that. And mm -hmm. so when I'm when I was lying there, you know, I ended up being in the hospital for six weeks. We thought it'd be two to three, and every time there was complications and stuff, I had to remind myself, you know, I'm at least I'm in the hospital having complications, mm -hmm. and you know, you, you just mm -hmm. You have to have that mindset. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, yeah, the last few months, last year and the last few months have been, even last few weeks, I mean, very difficult. And it's sort of become a, um, a roller coaster almost day to day. Mm -hmm. And especially now, these, these new meds will we'll really figure out what, um, what its toxicity is. But you know what? It's, Better than the alternative. <laughs> yes, so, yes. So, and I've know, got some great projects ahead of me that, that I have to have. That That's my dangling mm -hmm. carrot. So I'm actually very excited over the next uh, few months to do some personal recording projects. And then at the same time, since we don't have big concerts coming up, there's a lot of other 
projects we wanted to do for the foundation of mm-hmm. um, recordings, books, and you know, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, my dad uh, was a smoker for thirty plus, close to forty years, and mm-hmm. uh, caused his cancer. And uh, mm-hmm. he was a preacher when he yeah. first was diagnosed. Um, 14 years of surgeries and max chemo and max, uh, uh, radiation. Uh, but he refused to leave the pulpit. Right. And, uh, this was in rural Kentucky and there was a circuit. It used to be a three church circuit. You know, they used to have Mm -hmm. circuit riders that would do this on horseback. Of course, my dad drove, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) but, uh, the fellow that retired before him kept one of the churches so much for retirement, but kept one and my dad had two. Got sick and and like I said, refused to uh, stop preaching and right. got to the point where I think it is it called insure. There was a kind of beverage, you yeah, know, that, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, no, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, between uh, between services, you know, you'd have to drive from one to the other. But um, his refusal to give up grew that church. I I don't know what the percentage is. I I guess, but at least at least over a hundred percent starting rural mm-hmm. Kentucky, 25 or so when he first started. And after 11 years, you know, it was over 50. Uh, right. And, and it was because of who he was and the role model that he was and the inspiration that he showed. And it's like other people, you know, like, well, if, if brother Bob is not going to give up, why should I? Right. Right. And you look at that and, but you know, being a family member, you also see the toll that it takes And, you know, the toll that it takes, uh, took on my mom. And of course I, you know, I think about, uh, Nikki, your wife and, and your Mm -hmm. kids and think, you know, uh, and I asked her at ITG, uh, I saw her at the booth and I asked how she was doing. I I know she doesn't know me from, from Adam, but I mean, I know, um, there's a lot of wear and tear. Uh, I appreciate you doing that because not many people think about that, mm -hmm. you know, that, uh, yeah, it's, it's not just the patient. No, it's not. And, yeah. you know, and you think about uh, also the, the caregivers that you have. You know, I, I watched my dad treat uh, every nurse and every doctor that came in. Uh, he he never yelled. He knew that they were right. there uh, to take care of him. Right. And right. they became, he became uh, their favorite patient. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and I've been in the hospital. I'm also a cancer survivor now. I lost a kidney uh, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Sorry. But thank you. But, you know, it's um, it, it taught me how to behave in a hospital, which you think about it. Some people don't know. Um, no, they don't. Do that. Yeah. But I'm uh, always amazed when I think the nurses, how surprised and, and grateful they are to hear that. Yeah. You know, and I just think, well, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I make sure that anytime I have to go in, it's like uh, make sure you treat them well because they're there. Right. They really are there to make sure that. Um, that you're taken well care of. So, yeah. Um, have, have any of the nurses or doctors, uh, started to memorize a, a routine that you play, you know, <laughs> have, <laughs> they, have they memor Clark studies? Do they start singing no, along with you anything? Know, and, and usually when I come in here, you know, I, I, if it's just a, a day thing or unless there's something really big coming up, I, I, this is usually when I get all my work done for foundation stuff or, or calls or, mm-hmm. um, uh, so I, I, I don't have my horn here. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll bring it every me occasionally, but there's, you know, half of the rooms are people who are sleeping who don't mm-hmm. want to be bothered. So yeah. I, 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 I try to respect sure. their opinion and, and, you know, their feelings. And, and, and I know there are times when it's like the last thing I want to hear is somebody mm-hmm. next door to me. So <laughs> I, I, uh, I actually try to keep the trumpet away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I did, I tried to do a little bit, Usually I do when I'm in the hospital. This last time um, was one of the first times I really had no desire. I mean, it just took mm-hmm. so such a toll out of me. That I just didn't want to do it. So I, I, I took by far the longest I've ever mm-hmm. uh, off of the horn. Um, and it's frustrating now because I've got these projects I want to do that I'm so excited about. And mm-hmm. I pick it up and I want to play. And, uh, you know, and of course... Mm-hmm it's just like the atrophy and everything else I had physically, you know, it's like, Oh man, you know, I feel like I'm starting it back as a beginner, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, they, they, 
they they don't know. Yeah. I mean, as far as what I play, so um, they haven't memorized anything yet. So I try <laughs> to keep it quiet. Yeah. yeah. So um, let's shift gears just a little bit, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, sure. How long have you been with uh, Dallas? Yeah, I started with them the first time in 2004, and I did two years what they called guest principal trumpet where they flew me in anywhere from four to eight weeks a, a season mm-hmm. they were in between and doing a search for principal and i just came in and and and, and played mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't until 2006 where then they asked me to come on full-time interim um so that's where we actually start the clock mm-hmm. so um this fall would would, would be maybe 13 years mm-hmm. um, officially with them on, on a full-time status. Mm-hmm. And then in 2008, they, they dropped um, the interim. Um, they kept looking for a player and <laughs> you know, suddenly I realized, you know what, I think I like this. And so, yeah. you know, I was like, hello, what about me? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, you, know, you said you that, it kind of reminds me of uh, Mark Inouye and his situation out in San Francisco, right? Where yeah. he auditioned and auditioned and kept winning the job and they were like, well, we we're still need to find somebody. They still think the grass <laughs> yeah. is greener somewhere else. And it wasn't yeah. until yeah, Yop came in and, and it was like his first or second week and he's like, what are you guys looking for? <laughs> and, um, and so he actually hired me and because I did do the national audition earlier mm-hmm. which I, I didn't win but i was the ended up being the last man standing mm-hmm. um and because they asked me to stay on um an interim capacity that basically was the uh, committee giving their vote that they mm-hmm. trusted me with the job mm-hmm. and so as soon as we had a music director and he said yes then it was actually official mm-hmm. um because i was a finalist and committee had made their decision so it sure. all worked out but yes it was the same way you know, i took mm-hmm. you know yeah i took the audition you have it but no we're still looking and you know on mm-hmm. and on and on um but it was a good base and suddenly i was being paid not to have to be on the road and, and mm-hmm. i loved my colleagues and um it was uh it was fun um, and rewarding, and so. Um, but it wasn't until they they made it, um, they took the interim away. Did my mm-hmm. uh, wife and kids come to Dallas because they weren't going to come and leave oh, everything right. there right. for what could just be an interim, you know, sure. position. So I did get basically two years here, mm-hmm. and where we were split, they were in Memphis and I was in Dallas, um, and I went there as much as I could, and vice versa. Is Memphis um, home for you? No, it, it is for my wife and, and family. San Diego is originally my home base and where my whole family's from. I'm probably the first person ever to leave San Diego to move to Cleveland, Ohio. Um, <laughs> so right out of high school, I mean, I basically packed up the car, moved to Cleveland, mm-hmm. um, and I spent many years there and going back and forth. And then that was our home base. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, you know, certainly when I taught, full-time at Oberlin before prior uh, to Canadian Brass. We Mm -hmm. lived there. And then during Canadian Brass, we went back to Memphis, which is where my wife's from. uh, And her family was there. And so we started having kids. And as long as I was on the road, it was more important for her to be, um, you know, the family to be based what was best for us. So that's, um, that, that became our our main base Mm -hmm. and always sort of has been. You know, where we always did our holidays and all that, and still do when we can. Mm-hmm. So, um, so uh, Cleveland. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned Oberlin. Is that what drew you up to that neck of the woods? No, I went there. I did my undergrad and graduate at Cleveland Institute of Music. Gotcha. So uh, that's what took me there in, in 1987. I went there to start my undergraduate work. Who was teaching there at uh, the time? Bernie Adelstein, oh, the one who recruited yeah. me. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah. And then he left after my freshman year to go to IU. He retired. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I stayed and uh, studied with David Zouder, mm-hmm. who literally took me on as a um, favor for Bernie. He wasn't teaching at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Bernie had asked him if he would 
watch over me and teach me. And so he did. Mm-hmm. And so I was his only student, which turned out to be, I mean, he wasn't my teacher. I, it's even hard to say my mentor. I mean, he was more of a father, you know, became mm-hmm. a father figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started spending holidays together and, and um, he later died of cancer actually two days before my transplant, but we, and it turned out to be, it turned into bone cancer. So we went through that together. And wow. um, um, so this is incredibly close. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't think there's a day I don't think about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so I did my undergrad there uh, and graduate work mm-hmm. um, at Cleveland Institute of Music. And then I, then I moved down to Memphis. My first job was at the Memphis Symphony Orchestra playing mm-hmm. second trumpet. And so that was a goal of yours, right? The orchestral playing was really the main draw. Well, you know, it turned into be. It never was. Um, and then I went, you know, went to the school there, which is very orchestral based, and mm-hmm. started realizing, I mean, that really is, you know, the job security and things to do. And so changed my focus to orchestral playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, my passion has always been quintet and, and soloing you know that's just uh, or some type of chamber music and, mm-hmm. and, and to this day i think I, I still am actually more comfortable in front of an orchestra than i am in it you know i, mm-hmm. I like to see the whites of the audience's eyes you know, <laughs> I, I i i enjoy being connected mm-hmm. um and, and part of that mm-hmm. um plus you know uh, you miss a note Soloing and quintet, that's okay because you got 5,000 more notes to play. So there's not that uh, minutia way of uh, <laughs> thinking that, that enters the orchestral brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what everyone's comfort level is. But yeah, changed in school to do orchestral playing. And I went down to Memphis, first job with second trumpet. Mm-hmm. And I have the biggest respect. Not only was David Zouder my, my teacher of second trumpet in the Cleveland Orchestra his entire career, but now that, you know, I had a chance to, I don't even want to say do it, but attempt it. <laughs> I, I was horrible. I mean, I, I was just, I'm just not a good second trumpet player. Mm-hmm. I, I just, and it was hard. It was way harder than I thought. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I work with Kevin Finnamore now, and and not only are we great friends, our kids go to school together. We live maybe in you know a mile or so from each mm-hmm. other. I mean, it's very ironic. So <laughs> we carpooling all the time. I mean, I, uh, when I'm with the orchestra, I, I, you know, we see each other more than we do our own spouses. So it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, we have you know our work wife and our home wife. You know, <laughs> that's how we always say it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm just stunned. And I, I mean, I have to thank him constantly, you know, because the uh, principal is only as good as a second term well, player allows him to be. It's I, funny you I say that. I felt bad for Scott Moore in Memphis because I know I, <laughs> I, I wasn't making him sound the, the best. Yeah. Uh, Mark Degote, uh trumpet professor at Auburn University. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a second trumpet to me for seven years, uh, eight years in a regional orchestra down in Kentucky. And I was talking to him just the other day, and I said, "Mark, um, you know, you were you were the best second trumpet player I've had, and I've had some other. And my current second mm-hmm. uh, in that group is fantastic, but uh, he's only been there a couple of years. Mark learned every uh, idiosyncrasy. I said, you learned oh. to, you learned to play out of tune with me. You learned to rush with me. You learned I, to drag. That's you know, exactly but, it. And, he, and he said, no, no, no. He he said, you know, you were you. Were, I was always clear on things, but really, I mean." I was joking, but I know some of that's true. Is he had to learn it, to anticipate and everything that he did. Otherwise, you sound wrong. I mean, they have to. <laughs> so he always, Kevin always talks about, you know, when I'll be in there, he's like, okay. And we'll do classes together. And he goes, like, for instance, when Ryan plays, I know I have to play this note a little high mm-hmm. and I need to come in <laughs> a little bit earlier. And I always look at him like, really? He looks at me like, Duh, don't you know? You know, I've I've I have no idea. He's but he's got you know, and if yeah. Russell Campbell is our third associate's playing first, he says, Well then I know I have to do this. I gotta pull this <laughs> note. But it's it, it is amazing. Mm-hmm. And um like I said, I mean if if 
they're the ones that make us sound good because yeah. you know if <laughs> if we're out of tune they hear my voice the audience you know because mm-hmm. that's that's the the top lead voice and so i sound out of tune you know but if we're together mm-hmm. uh, you know then then suddenly it's that soaring beautiful trumpet mm-hmm. above yeah. and what they don't realize is who's allowing that to happen is mm-hmm. the section yeah um, and so it made me, I'm also glad to, it made me a better principal player mm-hmm. because now I also have an understanding of what they're doing mm-hmm. because I had to try to attempt to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I tell everybody, everybody, you know, everyone wants to be the principal trumpet player. And, and but when I find people that say, man, I just really love that challenge of being a section and second, I'm like, that's gold. Yep. And you know, and then there's players that say, I only want to play principal. I don't want to take it as a second audition. Like you go take that because if you want to be the best principal, you, you've got to experience exactly. it. Right. You know, you, you've got, you've got to learn it. So mm-hmm. it turned out while it was a, not a great personal experience. And also just during that time in my life, I, I had personal struggles. Um, and so I left the orchestra after two years, um, Souders, like get ten years so people know you weren't fired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. let them know that you left because you wanted to leave. Um, I I quit my position there and uh, swore I would never play in an orchestra again. You know, so mm-hmm. there you go. You know, never never say never. Um, and then um, after Canadian Brass, I I for a couple of years I sort of was like the some of the players band-aid in the major orchestras, anybody who needed a winger to come in, I was doing that and I was loving it. And then Dallas said, well, why don't you stay here? And I was like, I think I will. So, Did you ever come to uh, Indianapolis? You know, here's it. Uh, yeah. I played in Indianapolis when I was an undergrad, they flew, they brought me in to do guest principal, oh. like my junior year. Mm-hmm. So I played, we did, um, I think it was Dvorak seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dvorak, yeah, I think we did Dvorak seven. Um, uh, Strauss, one horn concerto. Um, well, with, I uh, Bauman. I can't believe you remember this. <laughs> well, you know, and the reason why I remember is because it was one of the biggest lessons I've ever had yeah. with, with Herman Bauman, watching him play. Mm-hmm. And my brother was a horn player. And so I listened to the old LPs. He, he loved uh, Herman Bauman's playing. And so therefore I, I, I started to as well, but I never knew what he looked like or knew anything about him, but his playing is, was always so big and bold in my mind. It was this, you know, mm-hmm. giant of, of a man and ends up, he was on the floor kneeling next to me between me and the principal horn player it was time for the rehearsal and personal manager came out and said, Meister, I don't know where our artist is. And he, he just jumps up and pops up. <laughs> me not knowing anybody, I thought he was one of the members. <laughs> and he goes, oh, it's me. And he's like this, was this teeny small guy compared to what I expected. Mm-hmm. He just kind of hops up there and he played the opening. And now that I look back to it, I think he missed just almost as many notes as he made. But he took the horn off his face in a way that I was in awe. I thought, wow, that's the most amazing Strauss, mm-hmm. perfect Strauss I've ever heard. And then I realized, but wait a minute, he missed all these notes, but I did not care. Right. It was so <laughs> convincing and so good, you know, and he just did it like, that's how Strauss is supposed to be played. All those other <laughs> recordings you heard, they're wrong, you know, and then of, of course, come concert, it was just, amazing and it was perfect but i remember that's the reason why i remember it and i thought he played the music and it was one of the first times i realized technique and miss notes didn't mean anything to me i was so in awe of his playing and and when he picked up the horn he suddenly became like seven feet tall i mean (laughs) when he took his breath i was like i already knew it was the most amazing Strauss I've, I ever wow. heard and he hadn't even played a note yet mm-hmm. and so that's why I remember I mean because it was one of the biggest lessons as a performer mm-hmm. that I ever ever had ever mm-hmm. witnessed now I can't tell you what the opening tune was you know of, yeah. of I took the whole show <laughs> but um yeah it was uh with Chappie I think it was, yeah. was his nickname yeah, yeah he, he he couldn't he couldn't play that week it was a last minute thing they had called mm-hmm. 
David Zatter is personnel manager also in Cleveland. Um, they called him and said, do you know somebody last minute? And he said, sure. And that, it was actually me. And it was my, mm-hmm. he never told me anybody like my age. He said, I just have somebody. Cause I always, always love it. I'd walk in and they would look at me like, Oh, you must be lost. The restroom's down yeah, the hallway, right. you know? And I'd be like, no, I'm, I'm here to play principal for the yeah. week. Yeah. yeah. So, but, so yes. Well, if that right. counts. I'm sorry. Yeah. I missed that. I, I don't know what year that was, but I, I know. I missed oh, it. I think it was like 90, 1990. Oh, okay. Maybe 91. I don't think it was earlier, but yeah. yeah. So, um, and then there's this little known chamber group, um, that you were part of for a while. Yeah. With, <laughs> of course. I'm well, which one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah with, uh, well, Canadian, Canadian brass. brass. Yeah, yeah. The main one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who was in there? Uh, I replaced Ronnie Rom. So. Well, I first was, of all, nobody can replace Ronnie Rom. Right. Well, but I know what you mean. I'm just. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 let's just say I was his replacement. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I was technically the second generation. Mm-hmm. Jens was in the group who had um, replaced Freddie. Mm-hmm. So um, it was kind of nice that we were there together, which also started our own unique bond. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so we were we were the first turnovers from you know the, mm-hmm. what's considered the original group. Right. So I took I took over for Ronnie in in two thousand, mm-hmm. and Jens was in there at the time. Um, we were taking over for, for Freddie. Mm-hmm. Um, then when Jens left, uh, Joe Bergstaller came in mm-hmm. and I actually played more years with, uh, Joe than I did mm-hmm. with, um, Jens. When I left the group, we were, you know, it was my choice not to live in Toronto, which is their own base. We did all our rehearsals. We did everything. So adding those times into it, it was, it was, rotating around 280 days a oh my year. Gosh. Wow. So, um, when my little girl got, you know, not to say, daddy, don't go, mm-hmm. you, know, you got to really start mm-hmm. thinking big picture. Um, and so that's, mm-hmm. that's when we started thinking about exit strategy. Isn't it amazing? Dallenbach is still, it's, it's, still going it's crazy. Strong. You know, and he's like a kid in a candy store. I know. Right now. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's just loving it. And, and in some ways it sounds better now than ever. But yeah, it's it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, he's right up there with those you think you know. Like it's just there's no ever end and end in sight. Mm-hmm. You know, like to just keep playing, churning that out, sounding great. Um, and so um, lucky enough to have to keep a really good relationship mm-hmm. with the group. Um, you ever go back and play. have you gone back and done any? Uh... Uh, yeah, I've done it. You know, I've done some cameo things when they've come through Dallas. Uh, I haven't played with them for a while. They had what was called this dream team. Yeah, I remember that. And I was part of that. It was Ronnie and myself and a few others that just pieced together. Mm-hmm. Um, we all knew the book. Hardest part was when Ronnie and I would play together because we knew the same book. <laughs> so we we would do the memorized sets. You know, I always told him like, no, 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 this is yours. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll convert. You know, I'm not going to ask you to not play your part. I mean, that's the sound. Right. Um, but yeah, every once in a while, we just slip into and we realize we're playing unison and there's no, there's no second part. Um, but I, group I played in previously that sort of started everything back in um, high school and all that. I did all the pick stuff, so mm-hmm. I knew a lot of. Freddie's parts of the standards. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it worked out, but if they come through town, I'll do a little cameo thing, but otherwise it's been several years since yeah. I've, I've done anything in an official capacity of like you know, played a full concert or anything. It's mm-hmm. been, been quite some time, but. But opportunities um, like that too, where, I mean, your time in the Canadian brass, when you talk about being able to stand at the edge of the stage and see the whites of their eyes. I mean, that's, that was kind of the well, optimal I, stage I, for that, right? Exactly. I mean, looking back and my wife even says, man, that was the perfect job for me, man. I was never, I think, happier playing wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of my proudest recordings and stuff is, is things with center city brass quintet. 
and oh, even right. Burning River Brass Quintet, yep. which uh, unfortunately a lot of those those earlier recordings are not available now, but they are going to be re-released on, on a different label, Azika, that's coming out soon, and mm -hmm. I can't wait because people need to hear them. But mm -hmm. the the recordings of Sinner City are might be what I think is some of my um, proudest yeah. um, and, and, and I don't want to say fondest memories, but I mean, it was just mm -hmm. such a um, great group, close knit, you know, friends and, and the stuff that we did. Um, I just think set a bar in a different way than Canadian brass, mm -hmm. you know, but I think it just, you know, it, it's one, um, well, I think the sound the sound of that group, um, and Empire was certainly its own group, but I mm -hmm. think the the precision uh, of Center City was one of those things that man that was a it was just tight. Yeah, and what was amazing is I mean we would do everything in one. We everybody had jobs, so we would just meet and rehearse for two days and record for three days. That was it. And wow. then if we had a, we would do try to do one or two. I say tours, you know, we'd get together and do like two recitals, you know, somewhere. Mm -hmm. And um, we would try to do that a couple of times a year. And the same thing, we would just meet, learn the rep, practice for two days and then play. It was mm -hmm. so natural. And that's mm -hmm. what was amazing. I mean, whereas Empire Canadian Brass, I mean, you've got this daily churn of, of, yeah. of getting it to that point. And with Center City, it was you sit down and it just happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just, it was truly magical. And, um, and so the stuff that we put down there and the first two recordings, I've got great stories where they actually the second and third recording where it nearly collapsed. We didn't do it. And for some reason we lost like a whole day of recording. We had oh, to no. do the whole thing, like, in, you know, two days or music was being faxed in while we were recording it. <laughs> we had somebody running from the, um, uh, church office where we were recording, handing it to us. We'd take a break, look at it, rehearse it, record, mm -hmm. rehearse, record. I mean, so some, I mean, if people knew <laughs> really how those were done right. and under circumstances, they'd even be more blown away of um, the, the end product. Uh, Tony and I always call each other brothers from a different mother. I mean, it was just one of those we, you know, we sat down and it was just, and even now like we like who played what we we don't even know we we, we oh, just that's funny. you know we we can't even remember mm -hmm. um uh so i mean those those are um and if there's anything with today's i mean i love the accessibility of of online you know on itunes mm -hmm. and all of that but yeah. the one thing that bothers me the most is when i'll do classes and i'm coaching a brass quintet and we're doing one of the standards or something that center city has done and mm -hmm. i said you know if you listen to recordings of this yes and i who and what and i'll mention if you heard center cities there's always like oh why well yeah you know that's that's one of our favorites mm -hmm. which is ironic because they're you know i'm trying to have them do something based on what <laughs> that group does right, and they're not right. and there and every once in a while I'll be a little attitude like well yeah you know and, and i'll ask them, do you know who's in that group they have no clue yeah and you know i'm looking at the tuba player i'm like it's craig knox principal of mm -hmm. Pittsburgh symphony it was steve witzer principal of la phil on trombone horn is rich king principal of cleveland orchestra and i go around and then you know and i say trumpet tom di lorenzo and i said and then i'll say me you know they have no idea right <laughs> um that's my that's that's the first time I, I have issues that there's no liner notes and i said do you know why that group was put together do you understand we're in our early 20s you know mm -hmm. so um but it's always amazing to see their eyes you know the drums like you know our horn play. i'm playing that's rich king yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes you know yeah. um yeah so cracks you know it cracks mm -hmm. me up when people really realize but yeah that's uh amazing recordings and uh mm -hmm. of course uh, of course i'm proud of the canadian brass ones and, and, and absolutely um, they um i mean that, that's just that's just such a group that's put you know a stamp uh, talk about changing the landscape mm -hmm. you know i mean now you can't find a, a hardly find any chamber series anywhere that doesn't have 
some brass on it and then we we can thank canadian brass for that yeah well and and to see what's come with monozzle brass well what's you know the possibilities are with with that right (laughs) that's that is ridiculous too yeah yeah i mean i i you know yes what what they do is and they're also not only is it crazy what they're doing physically but you close your eye it's an unbelievably tight incredible group an incredible plane well they've been together and, for so long and you know i don't i don't know about this um it, they blow straight down the pipe i mean it's a beautiful raw sand oh. and i think man I, I wish we would kind of embrace that here in the states you know it's everybody yeah. wants this dark fluffy sound sometimes and i'm like man when they when manazo plays it's like that's what a trumpet's supposed to sound like. You know, that's what oh, a trombone. Man. It is, it is pure. It is, it is, it's purity on so many levels and they have to at the same time, because they're, what they're doing up there physically mm-hmm. as well is if they're not playing efficiently, they're not playing correctly. And I'm not playing, like you said, right down the pipe. It's mm-hmm. not going to work. Yeah. They can't do any funny stuff when they're, you know, running <laughs> right. around like they're like they're riding a horse and bouncing up and down. I right. mean, it's just, you know, you know, or slow motion going through the air. You know, I mean, it's just it's 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 crazy. I, I absolutely love um, what what Thomas what, what those guys yeah. are doing. I yeah. mean, it, again, yeah, they've taken it. You look at all the the top groups and they've taken it to different levels mm-hmm. and expanded what's what's possible mm-hmm. and and that's where i think if, if our foundation in its own way is able to sort of do that so that's mm-hmm. one of the re- recordings i'm working on now is doing compilations of, of some of these top fame groups that are all wanting to sort of donate tracks and all mm-hmm. that and, and get that um done but they're, they're all yeah they're all groups that have done the same thing in their own right they've, yeah. they've stretched they thought beyond the limit mm-hmm. and made it work and that's exactly what mm-hmm. you know we're trying to do with cancer blows too yeah. and the, here here are these groups that are doing it yeah ryan um man i i, I can't thank you enough uh i, I feel like a, you know a little over an hour is an hour has gone by i don't know if you've noticed uh, has that, it really i have no i had no idea and i feel like we could we haven't even touched. <laughs> I, I know. And, and uh, I mean, we can keep going, but um, uh, you know, maybe this would be a good place to stop. We could pick it up again, uh, you know, further down the road. And uh, yeah, if you want to do more later on, if questions come up or listeners have any mm-hmm. questions, I mean, we haven't even talked in, you know, trumpet shop or anything else. Yeah, with, but you know what? Uh, orchestral um, versus chamber versus solo yeah. versus entrepreneurship. You know, there's, there's so oh many gosh. things to, yeah. Um, for us to do, if I can always um, impart one thing that I I have to tell um, my students and and those when I go and I do the coaching, yeah, of anywhere and and so I, I do want to end it on this is I think the most valuable thing that I learned from David Zouder, which is a whole nother I, I can go on forever about that because most uh, ended up. I think more of our lessons were about life and professionalism than it was actually trumpet playing. But his whole thing was, you know, when it came to practicing and working hard, which is obviously what we have to do mm-hmm. to hone our craft in, mm-hmm. is to never forget to have fun. Yeah. And so when we would do, um, he always told me that I had to practice in three sessions. You know, uh, even if it was all at one time, I had to compartmentalize it in, in mm-hmm. three sections. And the, you know, and the first and first two were all lesson materials. And he would always say the third one, he never wanted to know what I did. <laughs> he said it had to be just for me yeah. to have fun and, and, yeah. and remind myself that um, we work hard for a reason. Yeah. And that's so that we can um, do something good with our, our music. And yeah. so I tell the students, let's not forget why you know why we got into this yes and yes we can change lives but you know we all did it because it was fun in high school and right you know a hobby and we 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 have to hold on to that yeah and that's where the purity uh, comes from so just to remind everybody you know you got to keep that going yeah well i that's a, a great nugget to share right there but uh ryan thank you so much for being part of the podcast today i've 
so much great things. And of course, I want to uh, thank you not for, only for what you've contributed uh, musically, but for uh, the way you've shared your life and with the, the foundation. Uh, thank you so much for everything you've you continue to contribute. Uh, it's my pleasure to the trumpet world. So it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Yeah, it's been all mine. Thanks for asking. It's an honor. All right. All right. Thanks. Take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you again for listening to today's interview. I hope you enjoyed your time here and please come back for more interviews. Be sure to share the news of this podcast with friends and colleagues and give me a rating on whatever platform you get your podcast from. Thanks again to Messina Covers for co-sponsoring this podcast. Don't forget that you too can be a supporter. Check out how at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl. And one more reminder that you can sign up to receive news via email regarding new episodes, merchandise, and more by going to palmusic.net and clicking on the subscribe to newsletter link. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you come back for more great interviews.